I love Phil's quote this morning. Sometimes you have to get in on a limb because that's where the fruit is. That comes from Captain Risky's own website. <laughs> it's amazing what a marketing campaign can do, isn't it? You know, some of us are risk-averse, and um, a person who's a risk-averse investor uh, is one who plays it safe, who prefers you know, lower returns with, with lower risk rather than higher returns with, with high risk. And Jesus' disciples, as the death of Jesus approached, um, I'd say they were risk-averse. They showed themselves to be risk-averse because they went for what seemed to be the, fa- the safest option. They all forsook him and fled. Um, Peter was perhaps the slowest to flee, but they all forsook him and fled. And so when you see the video this morning and you see these disciples and they mention, uh, which comes from a probably pretty reliable tradition, that uh, all but John suffered and died for the sake of their master, what was it that turned these risk-averse followers of Jesus into people who were prepared to sacrifice everything, to risk all for the sake of their master? And we touched on that uh, at Easter very much when we talk about the, the resurrection of Jesus. They, they actually saw Jesus after the resurrection. They saw what God had done powerfully in him and they also received the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that last week. So men who, as we saw in the video, paid the ultimate price, except John. Um, John was exiled on the island of Patmos, and I think you saw, if I'm interpreting right, he was actually receiving uh, a a vision of the future from God at the end of the video there, an apocalyptic vision of the future. But these disciples had seen the risen Christ, and they knew for sure that their teacher was truly the Son of God. And they'd received the Holy Spirit. Their hearts had been so captured by the person of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit that they couldn't keep quiet. They'd been changed forever. And Troy talked about that last week, change. They'd received a new power, a power that wasn't of themselves, a power that came from God living in them, God dwelling in them. And so that power brought change. It brought new attitudes, new, uh, new behaviours. And it's a power that's available to all who follow Jesus. And that's why we called uh, this two Sundays Inside Out, because there's a sense in which when, once we're changed on the inside, then there's an outworking of that in changed behaviour. But it's not until we're changed on the inside that we can actually make a difference for God on the outside. See, these early disciples were characterised by a willingness to risk all for the sake of their master, Jesus. Now, I just want to say in qualifying some of this that there's actually no, uh, partic- nothing particularly vers- virtuous, I think, about risk for the sake of risk. Um, in fact, different personalities feel very differently about risk, and you might be like me, and I don't think that's a bad thing, um, but for followers of Jesus, the virtue isn't in the risk per se, it's in obedience, but usually obedience requires faith. And faith does call for a degree of risk. And so this morning I'm going to try and illustrate this for you by taking a very, very (coughs) risky manoeuvre. Now, some of you might have seen the Olympics, and uh, (laughs) I won't uh, deceive you into thinking that uh, in 1968 I was in the... uh, the horizontal beam in the gymnastics, but you've seen those, those gymnastics exhibitions and you've seen these young 14-year-old girls who risk their lives on a beam like this. And, you know, I just wanted to take this as almost a little symbol of life, maybe even my life, and, and sadly, sadly too often my life, as you'll see. 
But first of all, they mount the beam. They probably mount it much more gracefully than this. But this beam is probably not as steady as their beams, so just <laughs> pray for me. Whoa, 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 it's pretty... I can see you all really well from up here. It's good. Troy, we should get a bigger stage. This is fantastic. The audience... Arnie, good to see you, mate. Yeah. But life starts off pretty good. We understand as followers of Jesus that we're loved by God. And God, in his grace and his mercy, has reached out to us in Jesus. And we've been forgiven. We've been washed clean of the things that were were just wrecking our lives. And we've been given a new start. And we've been given the, the Holy Spirit of God to live in us, to change us and to empower us. And so we're in this this amazing potential act, if you like, um, that's going to actually make a difference in the world. And it's all good, isn't it? And we take a few steps out and and then all of a sudden it it sometimes just seems a little bit wobbly, (laughs) as it is. And uh, (laughs) we start to shake a bit and we think, well, actually, even though I know I should... I know when I came to Jesus, it was, it was all out. It was all or nothing. And I wanted to actually be totally committed to him. And I wanted to be sure that there was actually nothing coming in the way of me being obedient to what he wanted me to do. But actually, I found it's pretty uncomfortable sometimes up here. And I'm not sure I can stay up here that much longer. And, and so we sort of we start to play it safe a bit, don't we? And we, we think, wow, I'm not sure that I can actually do it up here. And so we... We make little decisions, little by little, that, that sort of change our behaviour. And the, the bar's really shaking. And so we, we sort of get down on it because that's, wow, that's, that feels better. That's, whoa, man, I hope, this is, I hope this is a really good performance. I hope you're enjoying it. And we get, we get down on the bar because we feel, feel a bit safer there. And, and, and we think, well, yeah, this, this following Jesus and this risk, bit, that anxiety corridor, man, no, I don't want to get in there. I want to, I actually, I really value my comfort. And, uh, man, it's not even that comfortable here. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to get, well, that's better. That's better. Oh. And, so, and so we we hold on to the bar. And we decide that, hey, from now on, I'm, I'm only going to hang around with nice people. And I'm, I'm going to go to a really nice church. A church where they entertain me every Sunday morning with funny, funny blokes on balance beams. And I'm going to keep to myself a fair bit. I'm going to get a nice job. A job where, you know, I can be friendly, but not too friendly. Because I don't want to have to tell them that actually I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. Because that, that can be really uncomfortable. Some, I've had that happen. Somebody cut me off once. They just... They just didn't want to be my friend anymore. Man, that hurt. Don't want to do that. So I think I'll just hold on tight. It's actually uh, it's very safe here. Very safe. And, and I, I still pray, you know. I still pray. I say, God, God, gee, the, the 42-inch is just not cutting it for me anymore. I want one of those 65-inch 4K Ultra HD ones, please. And God, my, my air conditioning on my car's broken down. You know, I'd love you, to, love you to provide the money to fix that. God, just get stuffy in that car on these warm days. 
And God, I just pray that you'll, you'll bless my family, bless my children. Don't let them go out in the sun because they might get sunburned. Lord, I want to wrap them up in bubble wrap, but I just want to keep them safe. Lord, I want, I want, I want you to keep me safe too. And, and Lord, when I die, when I die, I just want to die in my sleep. <laughs> and and I, want to just, I want to just slip into your presence, just slip into your presence like as if I'm coming out of a dream and, and the performance is coming to an end. I'm glad you liked it. That was, that, was a, that was a massive risk, you know. It wasn't very comfortable. But, you know, sadly, that says a lot about my life when I examine it really closely. And uh, I wonder if you're sitting there, it might say something about yours as well. We can so easily fall into that trap of staying in that comfort zone and not taking the risks that we need to take. That wasn't original, by the way. You can find that on the internet if you want to. The beam, <laughs> the beam was pretty original, though. I want to just share with you this morning, quite briefly, uh, five things about two disciples who actually took a risk for Jesus. These are disciples who were uh, very prominent in the early church, in the early parts of the book of Acts. The book that's called Acts because it's the acts of the, the apostles or the disciples of Jesus as they <laughs> brought God's good news into the world. These guys are Peter and John. And they, they go up to the temple and it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And they're just minding their own business. But they see a man uh, who's carried, and he's, he's been lame from birth. And he's carried in every day into the temple so that he can beg for money for those who are coming to pray at the temple. And he sees Peter and John and he asks them for money. And Peter says, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he's wondering why, you know, maybe Peter's going to come good with some money. But no, Peter says, I've got no silver or gold to give you, but what I have... (laughs) Sorry, there's people laughing here, it's putting me off. (laughs) I'm feeling anxious. (laughs) This is serious. This guy had been crippled from birth, never walked in his life. And uh, Peter says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then Peter reaches down and grabs his arm, his right arm, and lifts him up. And the guy gets to his feet and he doesn't just walk. It says he walks and he leaps and he praises God. Walks and leaps and praises God. And he enters the temple with Peter and John, and he's doing just that. And people recognise him. You can imagine the situation. Here's this guy. They've seen him out there. He's been begging for all his life. And now he's walking and leaping and praising God. And people are amazed. And so much commotion. All the people are starting to mill around Peter and John and this man. And so, first slide, Peter saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd, and he said, People of Israel... What's so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though he'd made this man walk by our own power or goodness or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate 
despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. What an amazing, powerful message that Peter gives these people. What a courageous message. What a bold message. Here's the one who'd sort of slunk into the background as Jesus is, is being tried, now comes out to the, into the foreground and says, you killed the holy righteous one, and we're witnesses of this fact. But this man has been raised from the dead by the power of Jesus. And I just want to say five things about God's risk-takers, and you might want to write them down, but I've just got them from these passages. God's risk-takers seize opportunities to share what God has done. Here's Peter. He's, he's there, and, and there's the crowd milling around. He just sees this, this is a chance. Here's all these people coming. This miraculous thing we've been able to do in the name of Jesus, I'll tell them what it's all about. And I'll tell them that actually this man has been raised from the dead. Raised from, from, sorry, not raised from the dead. He's been healed. Um, and he was so crippled, and it's all because of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Well, the crowd, uh, Peter, Peter just doesn't muck around and he doesn't waste too much time. He's, uh, he's got an audience, so he doesn't leave it there. And uh, having accused them of uh, killing Jesus, the author of life, he then concedes that, well, yeah, you did act in ignorance, but then he goes on to say, well, the next slide, thanks, uh, But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Wow. He's not lacking in boldness still, is he? God's risk-takers confidently trust in God who forgives and refreshes and restores. You can just see it all over those verses. He's proclaiming what the prophets had foretold, what had been promised long ago as the truth. And he's got a confident trusting that God has actually been doing his work and now in Jesus, his work has come to fulfilment. And now as people repent of their sins, through Jesus they can be forgiven. God will bring refreshment. And ultimately, when Jesus comes again, all things will be restored. Everything will be put right. And that's a a powerful message. And and Peter proclaims it confidently because he trusts God confidently because he knows that God forgives and God refreshes and God restores. I wonder if you've experienced that in your life, God's forgiveness. It's a powerful thing. There's uh, an exhibition in the gallery at the moment and uh, you want to go in there at some stage. In the far room, uh, it's all about forgiveness. And it, if nothing else, it, it demonstrates just the power of forgiveness. I hope you have the chance to see that in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, as they teach the people, um, the religious leaders, you can imagine, who are being accused of putting to death uh, Jesus, so people like the priests and the temple police and the Sadducees, they're becoming thoroughly annoyed with what's going on here. Peter and John, with this boldness, proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's raised from the dead. And the main thing that annoyed them were that they were teaching the people that the resurrection had begun to happen through Jesus, that this was the Messiah. And so they seized them. They seemed to have the power to seize them, these temple police. 
and they put them under guard until the next day. Well, interestingly, the horse had already bolted because apparently 5,000 people had already heard and believed. Uh, so a little bit, little bit late, maybe. Um, but next day, they were brought before a panel of these uh, heavy um, religious types, rulers, elders, scribes, the high priest, and all the members of the high priest's family. And Peter is almost defending himself like in a court now. He responds uh, really powerfully again. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the capstone. There is, no, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He's nailing it down, isn't he? The man you crucified but who God raised. He keeps coming back to it. But he says that in this man, this man who's raised from the dead, he's the one who brings salvation. There's salvation in no, no one else. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Peter is preaching that message powerfully. I just noticed from this passage that God's risk takers also give credit to the source uh, because they point people to Jesus who says, it's very easy to imagine if you were Peter and John and you'd healed this man, uh, a powerful healing, and you'd be seen as someone with incredible powers. And that was the last thing that they wanted. They wanted to, to point people to Jesus. They wanted the, the, the one who was responsible for the healing. They were just the, the, the agents of God in this. They wanted Jesus to be given all the credit. So I want to suggest that if we're going to be taking risks for God and we're going to see God at work on the other side of our, our risk-taking, we need to be able to give credit to God because he's the one who does the work in us because inside, out, God has come and dwelt in us by his Spirit and he wants to work through us. Well, when, um, when this tribunal uh, court sort of met and they heard Peter speak, they made a few observations among themselves. They said, hey, these guys are incredibly bold speakers and it's pretty amazing because they seem to be untrained men and yet they speak with such, such boldness. Uh, and they've clearly, they've clearly been with Jesus and they're, they're accompanied by a man who seems to be genuinely healed. And so they had no reply, really. And that, so they sent Peter and John out of the room while they conferred. And uh, they, they basically conferred among themselves. It's, it's undeniable. Uh, this healing has happened. And we don't want the word to spread because that could be really dangerous for our security. Get us out of our comfort zone. And what we'll do, we'll threaten them with dire consequences. If they keep this up, it's going to be bad for them. And so they call them back in. And uh, this is what it says. They called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Um, for everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. I heard of a, an Anglican bishop in uh, England saying that he just was disappointed that when, when Jesus and his disciples seemed to operate in the book of Acts, everywhere they went they caused, they caused a riot, whereas he said everywhere he went they just made him cups of tea. And uh, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples caused a stir, didn't they, wherever they went. 
um, God's risk takers obey God as the first priority. We can't stop telling you about everything we've seen and heard. Should we be uh, doing what you tell us and stopping? No, because God is our higher authority. And that's, uh, that's something for us to think about, isn't it? There'll be issues in our life where we have to come to the point of realising that God is a higher authority uh, than some of the authorities that we are, seen, uh, are asked to bow to <clears throat> in this world. Well, finally, the, uh, the disciples go back to their, to their friends, their other, um, the other followers of Jesus when they've been released, and uh, they lift up their voices in praise to God. It's worth a read, the whole section, uh, in Acts 3 and 4. But here's, here's part of their prayer uh, near the end. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Come out of uh, a difficult ordeal. Get back into the fellowship of the other believers in Jesus. And what do they do? They worship God and they pray together. And what do they pray for? They pray for, boldly, for boldness. They pray boldly that they'll be used by God. I just love that story. You know, when I think about some of the bold things I've done in my life, I have to think really hard. Not too many. <laughs> um, when I was about 30, though, we were, as, as a couple, we were really... Um, challenged about spending a little time uh, studying the Bible together and actually going to a, a Bible college in Sydney. And I can remember at the time, Heather was probably more positive than I was, really fearful about all the things that could be obstacles. We didn't have that much money and I, I'm sure we'd be broke by the time we came home. And uh, we had two young kids. How are we going to do it? Because we both wanted to study. How was it all going to work? Um, but we did it. And we came home and we weren't broke. And uh, it was, we look back on it as probably the, the most uh, wonderful year of our, of our life. We, we learned and we grew and we grew in community with other people. And uh, so often when we take a, a step of faith, when we risk something for God, it's only as we do it that we find God on the other side. And we can, can have this amazing confidence that the God who asks us to be obedient to him, asks us to step out in faith to, with him, um, meets us on the other side and assures us that he's been with us all the way. And so I just want to um, suggest that this morning for each of us there's a, there's a challenge, isn't there? I was reading a, a little story during the week of um, Parker Palmer. He's a, an educator, I think, really, and a, a well-known author. Um, and he writes good stuff, but he he talked about at one stage in his life being quite depressed and so he went on one of these uh, week-long courses to sort himself out and it happened to be one with Outward Bound and uh, it went to this place called Hazard, Hazard Lakes or something. He says he probably could have chosen you know, Pleasant Valley because when he got there it was just full on and uh, everything about it was difficult. And one, one day they, they sent him out abseiling and they basically just got a rope, threw him over the side of the, the cliff and said, you know, go for it. And he gets down about a metre and he's just panicked and there's, there's a, a massive rock and he crashes his body into it. So they're shouting down to him, you need to put your legs out so that you're facing the cliff, not thing, so you don't get destroyed. So he's, he does that a bit further down. And then he gets down, there's this massive hole in the rock. So he's nowhere to put his feet. And he's just, he knows he's going to have to go to the side of it. And he just doesn't know what to do. And he's absolutely panicked, a bit like me, I think, with his fear of heights. 
And uh, they call out to him, the, the outward bound people from the top. And they say, what's the matter? And he says, I, I paused for a long time. He says, and all I could say back to them was, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, can, you can imagine that situation, can't you? Um, and he said, and then they said, we just want to tell you our motto. And he says, there I am, just fearing for my life and what do they want to, they want to tell me a motto. And uh, the motto of Outward Bound is, if you can't get out of it, get into it. And uh, ten words, but really powerful words. And he says he's taken those words with him uh, all through his life because there's a sense in which each of us has a life to live. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's a good life. It's a God-honouring uh, life. It's a life that God will choose to bless. But it's not going to be an easy life. And we need to recognise that this is our life and there will be obstacles that we face along the way. You know, there's no helicopter going to come and take us off that cliff face. Cliff face. No, no genie pop out of a bottle to rescue us from some of the things that we have to face uh, in this area of anxiety, this anxiety corridor. No magic rubber that's going to make things disappear. This is our life and we need to live it. We can't get out of it, so we need to get into it. So what does it mean for you to get into it? For Captain Risky, it means kick it and rip it. Kick it and rip it. <laughs> so before anything he does that's uh, dangerous, he says, kick it and rip it. Not because we eat risk for breakfast as followers of Jesus, but we need to be kicking it and ripping it, if you like, for Jesus, because I know every one of us in this room probably wants to, to look back on our life at the end of us and say, I made my life count. I made my life count for God and for all eternity. And so the simple, simple challenge that I have for you this morning uh, is I wonder if you'd be prepared to just think, just while you're sitting there, about what it might mean for you in this week that's coming to take one step, one step stepping out, one risky step, a step of faith, a step of obedience to God, knowing what God would want you to do, but maybe you've been in that comfort zone and you haven't been prepared to deal with some of the anxiety might come from taking that step. Maybe it's something like, making a phone call to confront some issue that you haven't been wanting to, to deal with. It's going to be awkward. I wonder if you're prepared to trust God for the outcome. Maybe it's doing something that will cost you something of value, whether it's financially or in time. Maybe it's um, signing up for an Engage activity. Maybe you're one of those people who really don't like Engage, you haven't been along too often. Um, maybe it would be a big step for you to say, hey... I'm going to be involved, you know, engage this, this time. I'm going to find an activity that I can do. I'm going to actually be bold and step out and, and join with other people in doing something that will make a difference. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've been really reticent to share your story of the difference that Jesus makes in your life. I wonder if a bold step for you might be to say, well, this week I want to just be asking God for opportunities to share what Jesus means to me, with somebody who I know who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you need to reach out to someone who's hurting, someone who needs your compassion, your care, your love. Maybe you need to start giving something away, maybe money, in, in a way that you've never given it away before, in a way that actually hurts. Um, my wife sometimes says to me, she sees it need and she says, I think we should give so much to that amount. And I'm, I've probably been thinking the same thing, but I've always thought about half as much. And uh, you find when you do that, it actually doesn't... It's not a pain. It's actually good. It feels good. And it makes a difference. 
You might even just offer to pray for someone, someone who's in need, who doesn't know Jesus, but just offer to pray for them. They might respond in all sorts of ways, but take the risk because we have a God who answers prayer. So I wonder if you're prepared to, the guys are going to come up and they're going to sing a great, great song and it really relates to that uh, last point that we made there, that we're going to be praying boldly, each of us praying boldly to be used by God. What we've got in um, four parts of the room on these chairs are little blue cards and as this song is being sung, I'm going to just ask you if, uh, if, you're, if you're willing to just take a, a step today, a, a risky step. Not that risky, but it might be risky what comes of it. Because on this little card, it says, I'm going to step out for God this week by dot, dot, dot. I'm going to step out for God this week by dot, dot, dot. I'd love to hear from you what you've written on that card. I'm not going to ask you to, take, to pass it in. I'm going to ask you to take it, come out here, take one and write something on the card that God might be prompting you to do this week. A step that involves risk, a step that would make a difference in this world for God. There's a verse on this that says, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. So let's seize opportunities. Let's trust confidently in a God who loves us. Let's give God the credit for what he can do through us. Let's seek to obey him first of all and pray boldly for opportunities to take a risk for him.